0: Evangelization is the fruit of the love of God being poured into the hearts of Jesus' friends. Live! This is our charism, to be witnesses of Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist.
2: Well, good morning. Welcome to all of you out there in Radioland. This is Father Mike Malloy. I am here uh, coming to you from Dun Brothers Coffee in Rapid City, South Dakota, along with the indomitable Karen Gibis. Wow, you're going to... Wow, thanks. <laughs> well, it's true. Okay. It's very true. So it's good to have to see you this morning and to be here together. Um, we're, we have a nice day today in Rapid City. Um, we're hoping that the weather is decent wherever you are listening from all over the United States, I, or uh, excuse me, our listening area. We have... Uh, uh, I, I was just in Sioux Falls for a, a funeral of a relative of mine, and a couple of my... Uh, relatives extended relatives said you know when are you on radio next and i couldn't remember <laughs> <laughs> that's not good father <laughs> no i couldn't remember so i said sometime in march i think so here i am oh so, boy completely forgot february so i am hoping that they're listening um wherever they out in, in the sioux falls area so let's begin with uh, a prayer this morning to start us off okay okay in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen lord we come to you um with joy and gladness in our hearts that you've given us another day to offer you praise and worship and to help to reveal the goodness of your love for the people of God. We ask you to bless us, especially this morning, bless us and all those listening on the radio. Uh, May this be a time of enrichment and growth for us in our faith that we might continue to live and proclaim the good news of your son, Jesus. We ask this in His name and in the power of the Spirit, one God living and reigning forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's always interesting to pray in the middle of a... <laughs> of a... Uh, Coffee shop? Coffee shop, a, coffee shop a restaurant. So um, it's kind of quiet this morning. We have a group over here that are, are doing um, some kind of uh, Bible study or religious. And then we have a couple of people that are just visiting. So it's kind of quiet. It's kind of good. It's nice. Yeah, it's pleasant. Nice. You bet. Um, we're going to send, uh, send you over to our technical director, Eli, for a little preview of our show today. Eli, how are you this morning?
1: You know, I'm doing pretty well, Father. How about yourself? Good. We found out today that you're 19. We thought you were 16. I did. <laughs>
2: I knew better. I
1: think that's is is that going to end up being a common theme of like shows this week? It might Cause be. Last Tuesday, they spent pretty much the whole show ripping on that too. So I I don't know. Well, you know what we'll happens?
2: See. It, it's just that I started when you were sixteen, and now you're nineteen. So I suppose that's that's
1: true. I'm like a comic yeah. book character, I don't age. That's right. <laughs>
2: Tell us what's going on today.
1: All So from the Venerable Child Protection Act to commercial surrogacy, there's a lot that's happened with these important bills since our last visit with Chris Motes to the South Dakota Catholic Conference. And so right away this morning we'll be visiting with him, and so he'll discuss the latest happenings in the South Dakota <laughs> legislature. And let us not make a mistake that hunger is only for a piece of bread. That's what St. Teresa of Calcutta had to say. And you'll want to hear the story of how the Lord has called Richard and Tony Wrangell to serve the needs of the homeless in Rapid City in an incredible way. And it's a community effort to help men move from homeless and hurting to whole and healthy. It's being done here in Fargo in the New Life Center. We'll get the inside scoop as we visit with Tom O'Keefe. All that and a whole lot more is coming up this morning on Real Presence Live. Right back to you guys.
2: Thank you. That sounds looks like a wonderful show. We're um, looking forward to this, especially to the, uh, um, the various things that show how, how we can be good disciples and we can reach out and benefit others. There's a couple other uh, interviews we're going to have later on that I think are, are equally important and valuable for, for uh, being disciples, for learning to live and proclaim the gospel message. So, looking forward to that. So. Um, before we get into our first interview um i was in sioux falls and we're going to be talking in a moment to uh the director of the uh, catholic conference for south dakota and he locates or lives in sioux falls and i was just there this past week for a funeral and i'm going back this week for a very important band for people in sioux falls yeah i'm really excited for them yeah i am too they're uh, and on thursday they're gonna uh, ordained their new bishop um, Bishop donald de and i 've had the privilege of meeting him visiting with him he 's a wonderful guy I think he 's going to be a great bishop for them. Um, looking forward to being able to work with him a little bit i 'll be working with him until <coughs> we get a new bishop um, so it 'll be fun it 'll be fun for me to be back in Sioux Falls, where I went to high school and the diocese I originated in. And to uh, get to see some of my old priest friends and some of my family members because I have a lot of family that live back there. So, looking forward to that. And so, Plum Reverend Michael Molloy is going to represent the Rapid City Diocese? Yes, I'm Plum Reverend. Not very, not right, not most, just plum. Just plum reverend. I think it fits South Dakota very well. I think it fits especially Western South Dakota. (laughs) Perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Just plum reverend. (laughs) Just just plum reverend. My kids were saying, you know, you're just plum mom. I'm like, well, it's not the same. It doesn't quite, yeah, yeah. It doesn't roll off your tongue the same, guys. Plum reverend. So anyway, (laughs) we are joined this morning. Our first interview is one I've been looking forward to with Chris Motes. Chris, are you there with us? I'm here, Father. Good. It's good to have you. And uh, although you live in Sioux Falls, you are currently in Pierre, um, following the legislative action.
0: That's that's right. Our our legislative session in South Dakota opened uh, the middle of January, so I've been spending a lot of time in our capital over the last month.
2: Wonderful. And and you know, I was as I was getting ready for this interview, I was thinking, you know, our listening area includes Minnesota, North, South Dakota. Um, and uh, into Wyoming, and and, and, and yet we're going to focus for this segment on South Dakota. But the bills and, and things that, are, that we're going to be talking about are, are things that are important for us as Catholics um, because they touch all of our lives and, and especially the sanctity of, of life itself. Um, so, Chris, um, in a previous show, you talked about Bill 1057, um, can you, and you, um, I understand that's in the going. Uh, that's uh, in the committee this morning. So tell us just a brief overview of that bill, and then what being in committee means for that.
0: Sure, the the Vulnerable Child Protection Act, House Bill 1057, is a bill that would, would um, preclude doctors from prescribing mm-hmm. um, a chemical blockade of natural healthy puberty. Uh, from prescribing cross-sex hormones or from conducting mutilating surgeries on children ages 15 and under. It, it started its process um, with the age level a little higher, but as the political process goes, uh, was amended. And um, it's it's kind of at step three of five this morning. It made it through its first step, the House committee, and then the second step, uh, vote on the floor of the House, succeeded by a vote of 46 to 23. It now comes up before uh, the Senate Health and Human Services Committee at, at 10 a.m. Central this morning, which is going to be it's going to be a tough tough committee, as we might expect. You know, our um, our our faith sometimes has us going against the grain of the world, uh, motivated by love. But this is an issue that is contentious within society, so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of i um, really vigorous opposition and as um, soon as we were finished with our call this morning I'll be uh, scooting over to the, the Capitol uh, to provide testimony on the bill
2: so so Chris what are some of the arguments against this bill and how how will you address those
0: well uh, there are a number of arguments that are that are being made against the bill and I'm really only gonna have a minute or less of testimony And so my testimony that I'll give to the committee is really just focused on God's love for each and every human person as they are made, in his image, male and female, soul and body. He looked at us all and he said, we're very good. But some of the arguments that are being made, I've had an opportunity to discuss with uh, senators and legislators one-on-one. That's one of the the benefits of spending a lot of time in the Capitol. And there are concerns that that this bill is is bad for the economic development of South Dakota, that it will be perceived somehow as backwards or not with the times and, and companies won't want to bring business here. Um, this, this bill is, is said by some to be an intrusion uh, with into parental rights, that this is properly the sphere of a parent to, to make this decision uh, with and for a child. And then the, uh, there are some even within the medical community that say that this bill is an intrusion into the doctor-patient relationship. And to each one of those arguments, we can <clears throat> simply just step back and, and think about what our faith teaches us about the purpose of government. The purpose of government is to help us order our lives towards the common good so that the business, um, you know, business considerations, while in and of themselves aren't, aren't wrong, they shouldn't become the sole focus of our, of our attention within society. And they shouldn't numb us other very important moral duties. Likewise, a parent-child relationship or a a physician-patient relationship um, is not in itself an absolute value detached from any um, moral boundaries or moral limitations. Um, those, Those relationships themselves ought always be directed towards the good of the human person.
2: Okay, so so if I was a parent and I and I said to you, you have no right to interfere in um, the decisions that I make as the, the mother or the father of this child. Um, assuming you know the, the child we're talking about would be under the age of fifteen, as the bill I think you said records. You know, how would you um, respond to that? What kind of what just simply because i I'm, I'm assuming that's the kind of conversation that but, might come up at the coffee table at you know at at the at the grocery store that kind of thing how would you how would you how would you respond to a parent with that argument?
0: Uh, I would simply say argument? that the the state does this all the time children cannot uh, can't drink they can't smoke they can't gamble they can't drive before a certain age they they can't legally engage in intercourse before a certain age there are all sorts of things that we as a society recognize are not appropriate for children and so we prescribe them from being able to do so. Even even if their parent would disagree, they they still can't you know go to the go to the convenience store and buy a pack of cigarettes, for example. Um, and in fact, that the age of the smoking age has just been raised to 21 from 18. So we even recognize that there are certain things because of the um, the potential harms involved that we, we even take the age up. Okay,
2: that's that's a that's a great kind of point you're making, mm-hmm. and it, it widens it out. I've I've had used that kind of argumentation um, with people in another kind of venue where people say, "I want my children to decide what religion they should have, so they aren't forced." And I always say, "Okay, then go ahead, then don't don't uh, don't make them eat certain kinds of foods, and don't make them <laughs> right. play in certain areas because you want to give them the freedom to make their choices." And you, you're right; some you know children don't always know what's best for them. Um, Let's move on to another bill. We're listening to uh, Chris Moats on on Real Presence Radio. I'm Father Mike McLoey here with Karen Gibis, and we're talking about the legislative activity that's going on in South Dakota at this time. Another bill that's in the legislature right now is addressing the issue of uh, commercial surrogacy. Um, Again. Could you, first of all, give us just a brief definition of what that is, in in case that people aren't aware of that, Um, and and then kind of where that bill's at in the legislature right now?
0: Sure. House Bill 1096 is a bill to ban commercial surrogacy. Surrogacy is the practice whereby uh, somebody will enlist uh, a woman to carry a child for them. And when we talk about commercial surrogacy, the woman is doing it to be paid. Um, You know, people do this for... um, all sorts of reasons. Most frequently, it's in South Dakota. It's because there's a there's a couple who can't conceive on their own, um, or at least after some time trying, they they've had, they failed and they, they they long for a child. Which we really recognize that this is you know this is a good and holy longing. Um, nevertheless, there are some very serious moral and ethical issues at stake. The, the bill, um, like 1057, has made it through the first two steps and is now on step three. It's come from the House over to the Senate and um, is not yet been scheduled for its committee hearing, but will be in front of the Senate Health and Human Services Committee.
2: Okay, so that's where it's at right now. Uh, very similar to the uh, previous bill you just talked about, in the same that's right, same process. So. Right, um, but Chris, uh, you know, like I said, there's some serious moral problems with uh, commercial surrogacy. But you know, obviously, the, the Catholic Church um, encourages uh, chi- people to, to have children, and we, you know, I think all of us have been aware of people have had that painful experience of not being able to conceive children. Um, Tell give us a couple of again a couple of how do you respond to someone who says you know I, I want a baby and I can't have one and I I think God would want me to have a baby and this is a way that I can do that how, how would you how would you respond to that
0: you know I think we have to begin by just acknowledging that uh, the, the pain or suffering that might be experienced is very sincere it's very real it can be very deep. And that there's a mystery in this you know there's a mystery of of life bound up in this and and i think we can we can respond by saying that when we're confronted with some of of life's deepest mysteries the solution isn't necessarily to get out our our checkbook and uh maybe buy our way out of the suffering or it's 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 not to seek to take control into our own hands and detach ourselves from the moral order so, the, the church has, has long insisted that children have a right to be born of a mother and a father and conceived in the marital act of love between the mother and father. So, you know, that's, um, we're really talking about the rights of a, of a child to be born in this embrace of love. We further might describe how surrogacy fractures the very notion of motherhood itself. We often, uh, you know, we, we think of a mother as somebody who, who conceives the child in this act of love and then gives birth to the child. But if, if somebody is deliberately conceiving a child in their womb through artificial means with perhaps a genetic material from a third party, a stranger, that was, um, you know, acquired through a, they call them like a donor concierge, you know, through a company that, that markets in eggs and, and sperm, and, and then the, the child comes to birth and is, is deliberately um, birthed for the purpose of separating itself from, from the birth mother. You know, we think of adoption, where adoption is, is a pathway to healing or bringing some level of, of, of balm and order to a situation that has gone awry. You know, women, don't, women who give up their children for adoption don't become pregnant thinking, oh, I'm going to get pregnant so that I can give my child up. No, you know, there's something, there's something that, that happens, they become pregnant, and then they realize, ah, this is a gift of love for this child. This is in the, this is in the best interest of my child. So that's what the Catechism uh, emphasizes. For people that are interested in reading a little more about this topic, right around uh, paragraph 2378, the Church um, reminds us that a child is never something owed to us, um, but it's always a gift. So when we take things into our own hands with artificial means, with surrogacy, we're kind of flipping that around. It, it becomes an adult-centered uh, endeavor and it becomes about our wants rather than about the gift of the child.
2: You know, I really I appreciate what you just said um, <clears throat> very much because one of the things that I have always dealt with in terms of surrogacy in my own life is I've become aware of people who. Um, have utilized it, um, or even people who use other means to, uh, to conceive children, is that there's this sense that I deserve or have a right to have a child. And, and I find that um, frustrating and hard because, as you said, they, they're gifts, children are gifts. They're not something that we, we don't, you know, obviously a, a man and a woman create a child together, but it is by God's design. Um, that that child comes about. So so I um, I appreciate that point. Another thing you talked about, Chris, is you you you, the, you touched on the importance of of suffering. That suffering is not something to be necessarily to be avoided. Sometimes it becomes a means of grace. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, in human life, there's always there's always been suffering. Um, you know, since the fall, this is something that we all have to undertake and there, there is a mystery in here but it's um the, the pathway through suffering is not to, to divorce ourselves from the natural moral order it's not to separate us ourselves from from god and his designs um within uh within the moral order you know and this is something that i think many south dakotans um who live, you know, on farms or ranches might get uh, more intuitively because in the farming and ranching endeavors, there's something that we, that we cannot control that sometimes results in suffering. You know, this is the weather that, that might result in, 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 in serious impact to a farmer or ranch. But we just see that, ah, there's, there's this order there, and I can't do anything about it. Now, when we can do something about it through technological means, we have to ask uh, very serious questions about whether those are cooperating with God's natural moral order or, or undermining and contravening it. Um, so, because if, if we undermine and contravene it, that's not a pathway to, to joy, happiness, or satisfaction, but a surrendering of our suffering to God, uh, uniting it to His cross and His sacrifice, um, this, is, this is not easy. But this is a pathway to God's grace this is a pathway um, to to happiness to joy
2: yes yeah absolutely so um, again you're listening to father Mike Malloy here on Real presence radio I'm here with Karen Gibbs, my, my co-host and we're talking to Chris Moats from the Catholic conference in South Dakota um, Chris there's one more bill about uh, against um, uh, capital punishment um, that is um, is somewhere in the legislative process. Can you tell us a little bit about that bill?
0: Yeah, Senate Bill 64 um, originated as a bill to eliminate capital punishment as a means of recourse for those who were diagnosed with a very serious mental illness and a whole list of mental illnesses. It went before its first committee in the Senate, Senate Judiciary, last week. There was no vote because at the last minute there was an amendment brought. And the amendment made the, seri- the list of serious mental illnesses. Um, it made them mitigating factors rather than taking the death penalty off the table. It made them factors that a jury could take into account when, when considering the sentence in a capital crime. Um, it, it'll be scheduled to return to committee for a vote next week and, and still kind of reviewing some of these changes. At, at, at first glance, the changes... While not as strong as the original bill, they're still good insofar as they they permit a jury to put on um, some lenses, if you will, to really highlight the dignity of the person uh, whose life they're deciding. So of course, we know as Catholics that human dignity is something that um, that is just part of who we are, innately, intrinsically. It's because God made us and loves uh, made us in His image and loves us. It's not something that we can surrender through any of our actions, however horrendous they may be. And by, by keeping some of these circumstances, um, mental illness, in front of a jury's eyes, it, it'll really help them to see, yes, this is a human person who's had their own degree of, of difficulty and brokenness in life. Um, so in, in that regard... Um, it still seems to be a good bill, even though it's been amended, to make it a bit weaker.
2: And that amendment process can't be reversed in any way, then?
1: Well, um, it,
0: it can. You know, so if it made it through the committee, and let's say the, the the floor of the Senate voted on it, sent it over to the House, it could be amended on the floor of the Senate. But it also could could get amended when it goes back over to the House. When that happens, and when bills make it through the process with different versions emerging from each chamber, then at the end of the legislative session, uh, the chambers appoint representatives to a conference committee. They iron out their differences, if they're able, and then they, then they vote on a finalized bill.
2: Okay. Um, in the couple of minutes we've got left, uh, Chris, uh, you know, the, the uh, Catholic uh, conference that, we, that was started in South Dakota, and I believe there's one in Minnesota, is there one in North Dakota as well?
0: There's one in North Dakota, although their session is, is every other year. So they don't have a legislative session in North Dakota this year.
2: Okay. Um, so all of the listening area, at least North, South Dakota, Minnesota, uh, does Wyoming have a conference?
0: They, they and, do. Even though they're a one-diocese state, um, their diocese has a deacon appointed to handle uh, public policy matters. So, okay. so, so each so, of these states will have somebody designated.
2: So... Um, How do you feel that the presence of Catholic Conference in the short time we have left, how how has that made a difference in the uh, political realm um, for us in South Dakota?
0: Well, we have to... um, Christians, we're called to be the soul of society. We're called to be the leaven in the world. And if we're not present in these circumstances, in these scenarios, if we don't have a seat at the table, really articulating the joy of God's love, that, that He's real, that He made us, that He sees us, and that He loves us, then, then it's like bread that falls flat for lack of yeast. It's like, you know, when soul leaves the body, the body begins to decay. That's why as, as Christians we really need to be present and just be insisting on these, these basic truths uh, of our faith um, with joy, with charity uh, at all times, but, but also with conviction.
2: All right, that sounds great. Uh, appreciate it, Chris, for you being with us. Um, uh, for this interview was very interesting and enlightening so take care thank you father you bet, God bless coming up next we have, um, we have to- Richard and Tony Rangel who um, have an incredible way that they serve the homeless in the Rapid City area and later on we'll talk about a homeless shelter where men, are, um, men from homelessness and hurting environments are brought healing I'm coming to you from Dunn Brothers Coffee in Rapid City, South Dakota I'm Father Mike Moore here with Karen Gibbous we'll be right back